all of my savings already went in and now you're getting a six figure bill. I was like, I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is like, I was pretty much like crying. Cause I'm like, okay, this is done. Cause I can't do this and we're not open. So you got to remember too, out of the two years of COVID, we were closed for like nine months. So we were closed half the time. That was a clip from today's guest, Ryan Diaz. Ryan is the owner of Diaz Combat Sports in Vancouver, BC. He's a coach and a veteran of over 50 professional fights all over the world, collecting titles from hook and shoot North American champion to king of the cage, bantamweight world champion. Um, DCS uh, is the gym down the street from our house where uh, our daughter Leora does jujitsu. And it is the coolest community space. I mean, the vibe there is unbelievable. They're a great community member. And it's just such an uh, amazing thing to see what one person who just decided, hey, I just want this thing to exist, just built this really cool business that's really at the heart of our community here in Strathcona, Vancouver. So uh, Ryan, it was a huge honor to have you on the show. And anyone who's listened to this, like whether or not you're a, a fan of kind of combat sports or sports, this is a really interesting episode. Cause again, it's just an entrepreneur, a beautiful example of someone who's like, hey, I want this to exist so they make it exist. And talking about how you manage it through COVID. So there are lots of great business lessons here and really cool life ones. But before we get to it, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I'm Aram Arslanian, and this is One Step Beyond. Man, welcome to the show. So let's start with the first question for the uninitiated. Who are you and what do you do? My name is Ryan the Lion Diaz. I'm the owner of DCS, DS Combat Sports in Vancouver, Chinatown. Um, I was a professional fighter, uh, two-time world champion. Uh, so the way that you came on our radar, which it's like a fun story, is we were looking for something for our daughter to do, a sport to get into. And one of my best friends, Jeff, um, we play in a band together. I was talking to him about getting her into capoeira, and he was like, oh, dude, you should do jujitsu. And I was like, oh, jujitsu, kind of looking around. And your gym was literally down the street from our house. Uh, we popped in. The vibe was insane. It was like the best. It was super welcoming. I didn't feel like I was being sold anything. Uh, there was like a good age range of kids that were in the gym. Plus, there was like the adults there. Your staff were super cool. And after we got our, our uh, four and a half year old in, in, it was like, I don't know, like, you know, when you just feel like, oh, I think we found the thing that we're going to do with her for like the next like 10, 12, 15 years, the sense of like community, belonging, respect. So watching how you've built up that gym and learning the story made me really interested in getting on the podcast. Awesome. All right. So let's start with... Um, you know, there's so much to unpack uh, here, but I know we've got a tight time frame because you're, you're a really busy guy. So let's start with the gym and then we'll kind of work, work around that. How did you start DCS? So the story of the gym is actually in, it's crazy. It's actually crazy because one of the original guys is back at the gym from Thailand teaching. And so the way the gym worked was I was living in America. I was like, we talked earlier about this is what the one thing about Canada, which is hard sometimes for athletes is there's not much support here for athletes outside of hockey, like hockey, tons of support here. But say, for example, for martial arts, 
not so much. So I moved to the States to pursue my fight career. And I was still, I owned a house in Port Moody. And in my house, we had a garage. And then what happened was I would always come back and visit and we'd always train in my garage. And then all of a sudden it's like, everyone kept bugging me like, hey Ryan, you gotta open in gym in Vancouver. You gotta open in gym in Vancouver. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'm gonna come back. You know, I wanna finish my career off. And so then I'm like, okay, let's do this. And you, you were down in the States fighting. Yes. You know, I'd always come back and visit my family, my friends, obviously, because this is where I grew up. And then, so every time I came home, everyone would come, like we would get a group of us and we'd all train in my basement. Then all of a sudden it was five, there was original five. My brother, his girlfriend, uh, Boom, our Thai guy now that's here, his wife and my cousin. They were, and then, so what happened was they all were competing too, like on a local scene, except for Boom. Boom was on an international scene, you know, and they were really into, into the martial arts. So what they used to do is they would, when I was gone, they would just go to my, they, they all had keys. They would just go to my house, go in the garage and just train. And then when I'd come home, we would, we would all train together. So basically the place I always tell everyone this, that the original DCS was just my garage and it was just a place for me and my friends to train. And then everyone kept bugging me, hey Ryan, you gotta open a gym, you gotta open a gym. And then there's a saying that says, when you can do, when you can't teach. So I started getting older and then I, when you fight and when you do things like say sports, you just, in your head, you just think you're gonna do it forever. Like I never ever thought that I would never not fight. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna show everyone. When I get old, I'm gonna still fight. You just think that. And the thing is, is like, once you start getting a little older, you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> I don't think I can do this anymore. So there's that line that says, when you can do, you can't teach. So I started getting, like you start getting this, like, I don't know if you wanna call it like, um, what is that midlife crisis type thing? Like, it's not that, but it's just like, okay. I hit a point where I'm like, okay, I can keep fighting, but what happens when I'm done? Like, I don't want, like, and you see all, you see what happens to a lot of athletes, not just fighters, but you always hear about the NFL guys who, who are broke after because they just spent all their money and they never thought of the future. So I was getting kind of like, okay, what am I going to do? You know, after fighting. So I'm like, okay, like the saying said, okay, I guess I got to start teaching. So then I was like, okay, I better start thinking about this more. Like I didn't 100% go into it yet because I was still somewhat competing and you know. So then I was like, okay, let's give this a try. I sold my house in Port Moody and then uh, we moved to, like we started, no, we started renting a, the basement suite of another gym once a week. I'll never forget, it was on Camby, it was right across the Whole Foods on Camby and Broadway, right around there. There was this Fit and 30 gym. And every Friday we would rent the basement and they let us in and then it would just be me and my friends training. And it would be like maybe max eight to 10 of us, eight to 12. Cause obviously there was more people that joined along the way after the five. Like there was a very good group. Like the one person who came on next was Ronnie. Ronnie's still at the gym, he's an OG. And then there was a few others that came. So it was about eight to 10 of us. So we started training there. Then all of a sudden, when I came back into town, I would teach the class on a Friday night. And then when I was gone, someone else would run it. It would be either Ronnie or Ben or my brother, whoever. And then uh, all of a sudden, one day I came back and it, the way it worked was I train, you just train with me. And then you do what I do. Then all of a sudden, one day there was, I don't know, like 20 people. I'm like, uh-oh. 
<laughs> uh, I can't train. I'm going to actually have to teach now. Yeah. So we actually taught a class. I'm like, hey, this is going to work out. This thing could work out. So we're like, okay, let's do this three times a week. So when I came to town, we did it three times a week. And then uh, when I was gone, one either Ben or Ronnie would teach. And then, you know, you, I'm still in the halfway point where I'm like, okay, am I going to live in America or am I going to come back home? Like, am I, like, I don't know. This story about the first gym was in, it, it's, it's crazy how things, ha everything happens for a reason. And just like, it, it was just so weird how my tattoo guy was on the corner, right on the corner of Gore and, uh, Gore and Georgia. And there was a coffee shop, like now it's bursting the beats. But there was another coffee shop there. And then there was matchsticks all around the corner. And the reason this is why it's very important is because we usually went to matchsticks for coffee. One day, me and Ronnie, because Ronnie, that's how me and me and Ronnie, uh, we grew up together. Like we were, I've known him since I was like 11, 12. And then he started working, he started tattooing at my friend's or my tattoo artist's uh, um, business. And that's how we, like, we got reacquainted more. And so me and Ronnie were there. And we were just like, yeah, let's go get a coffee. And then normally we'd go to matchsticks. But for some reason that day, we're like, hey, let's just go to this one. So we started walking over to this one. And there used to be another gym there before us. And we looked in. We're like, oh, they did a midnight run. They just took all their <laughs> stuff, I guess. And they, they, they disappeared. And then the craziest thing happened was the owner of the building was right outside when he said it and he says to us he goes do you guys need a place we're like, maybe because like at this point we're thinking okay maybe we should get a place now like because we were just renting the basement suite right so I'm like, hmm, maybe and then we called him up and it's funny because i told him like you look at me sometimes i might not be looking the most professional guy and then he says like I call him up and I say, hey, you know, I'm living in the States. I'm a professional fighter. I'm finishing my career. I'm thinking about coming back home and I want to open a gym. You know what he says? Uh, it's okay. He said, no. <laughs> he said, no. I'm like, oh, okay. And I thought, okay. So you've got a guy who literally was like on the street, like, hey, do you need a place to rent? To suddenly being like, that's not for me. Yeah. Okay. So they was like, okay, I guess that's a place not meant for us. But it was the craziest thing that happened. So... When they did a midnight run, they left uh, martial arts mats. So obviously when the owners, the, the landlords, the owners of the building took over, they took all the possession of all the stuff that was left over. Month later, they called me up and they're like, hey, um, do you want, uh, you know, do you want to buy these mats? And I'm like, well, okay, you know, you just give me a good deal. I was, I was in America at this time. And then, like, uh, we made a deal, like, you know, a few hundred bucks. I'm like, okay, I'll just take them. Like, you can never, the one thing I learned about being a gym owner and in martial arts, you can never have enough mats. Yeah. Because you can always put them somewhere, someone, and then the thing is, they're always valuable because someone else will buy them because someone else wants them in their garage. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, whatever, I'll take them, I'll buy them. So we made a deal, and then I wasn't in town. So I asked one of my friends, and this actually, like, I, I really thankful for this guy because Osman, one of my very good friends, if it wasn't for him, this gym wouldn't be here too. So Osmond is a contractor, professional, like, you know, he, and it's all, he's always wearing his coveralls and he always looks like a, con a contractor, right? So he went to go pick up the mats and the mats were at the landlord's house. So Osmond went to the landlord's house and then, you know, and he was picking up the mats and then he was talking to the landlord and the landlord goes, yeah, you know, 
place is still up for rent. You know, the only reason we didn't want to give it to Ryan is because he didn't seem like he was very, um, what's the word they use? Like I, something to do with like very trustworthy. I don't know, like not trustworthy, but we don't think that the business is, is going to be there. Like they didn't think that we were going to make it. And then Osmond, Osmond stuck out for his neck for me. And he said, no, no, I'm one of the, like, I'm one of the, par I'm one of the partners in the thing. And, you know, I'm part of it. So it's not like that. It's going to be very professional, this and that. Then all of a sudden, the landlord's like, oh, well, okay, then let's tell them that then it's still available, that we're, you know, that we're looking, you know, we could give it to them. So Osmond calls me up and says, hey, you know, they're, they're willing to give it to you, actually. And I'm like, oh. So I was in the States. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. So I go, I said, I'll fly tomorrow and I'll make a deal. So I flew all the way back in. And it's crazy because then he, he had a partner, his partner, Jordan. Um, he's actually, Jordan's the head of the BIA of Chinatown. Oh, right. So it was actually me and my mom went to meet with Jordan. And then we made a deal. And then, you know, we had to do all this stuff, personal guarantees and all that thing. And they gave us the spot. And that's how it all started. And then I'll never forget because at the beginning, like, like we talked about running a business, opening a business is so hard. It's totally hard. It's so hard. There's so many things that people don't understand. Like, so I'm not going to say everyone, but a lot of people think that things just magically happen. You know, like even say, for example, this podcast, like setting up the, the cameras, yeah. you know, doing sound checks. Oh, no. Like, you know, that's all set up already. Most people think. Well, not most. Some. Some people. I, I would say that, like, when you get behind it, you realize the complexity of it. But let's let's dig a little deeper, man, because first of all, that's like an amazing story. Yes. And I remember like the original. Gym. Yes. Because uh, I used to um, uh, cycle down here, and I yeah. would see it, and then I, I I do a lot of running and cycling, so I'd run past it when it was still out, still out um, over on the corner there. We had we started with just the one spot, and then you expanded out, and then we expanded. We there was a bike shop there, yeah, and then we actually like we needed more room, so I negotiated a deal with them, like pretty much them like, hey, I'll pay you guys to leave. So I gave them some money to leave, so we took over the bike shop. Then all of a sudden we're running out of room again, and then. We're just finding anything and then we took the corner which is now the thrift shop yeah and then we're like oh no we're running out of room again so then we got the big place now when you got the big place it was the original landlord who was like initially was like no 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 like when you were like hey we actually have to go was he like bummed no because first off okay we were ending we were on the end of our lease so we kind of lucked out on that one. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like we we're running out on a lease. We were, we were right at the end. And then the thing was is that they actually were able to find a second. Like, because what happened was we actually, our, our lease extended past when we were going to leave. And obviously, I'm a man of my word and honor. And, like, we signed the contract. So I was ready to pay for whatever was left over. Like, yeah. there was maybe three months left. But what happened was somebody, they found a new tenant that wanted it right away. Yeah. So it kind of worked out for both of us. Do you feel like that guy who had kind of judged you and, and thought negatively of you? Did he think he learned a little bit of a lesson? Well, it's funny because, okay, there was actually a story. Like, Jordan and the guy, like, the original guy, the two of them, the original guy, it's funny because he loved me after because he saw how busy we got and his son was into martial arts and he saw, like, oh, how much we did. But then something happened. He, he, he did get mad at me. The, Jordan was very happy for me. The other partner wasn't as happy that you left that we were leaving and then he started because like he started talk like he started like he actually started harassing us a little bit yeah because you were leaving yes you're going because you because you'd grown and you needed a bigger space yes which is like 
Again, this is one of those things as a business owner, normal people who don't own businesses would never think that this is like a thing that would happen. It happened. But not only that too, actually, and now I'm remembering the story, they were mad at us during COVID time too. Because that was actually right, like that was one of the hardest things that, you know, now people are starting to really understand it a little bit more because now COVID's done. We had to, so what happened was we had the plans for the big gym, the new one now, before COVID. And then now we're in the middle of trying to get this all together and like put this thing together. COVID hits, we're shut down. We have to come up with all this money. We are still paying bills. We're trying to rent it. We're trying to like build this new gym. It was so hard. How did you maintain and actually grow and build a business during that time? Number one, like first off, you have to just, you have to be tough. We went through some really hard times. That was probably one of the hardest times in my life. There was a day we got a bill and it was an unexpected bill. And we're talking a six figure bill. And we tapped out already. Like we already, I already went through all like, I like all the personal lines of credit. Like, you know, all of my savings already went in. And now you're getting a six figure bill. I was like, I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is like, I was pretty much like crying because I'm like, okay, this is done because I can't do this and we're not open. So you got to remember too, out of the two years or out of the three years, I want, or two years, sorry, two years of COVID, we were closed for like nine months. So we were closed half the time. And so, like I said, it's like, it was hard. And then number one, like my mom, like I fucking love my mom. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. Oh, you swear, swearing, right? Um, I love my mom because, like, she taught me hard work, and she was willing to put her house for sale just so we can keep going. Like, a lot of people don't understand that. Like, you know, they see, like we talked about, they just see this multi-million-dollar facility, and they don't know what's behind the story. Like, my mom was willing to put, like, she did put her house up for sale, but somehow, now you ask me how did I do it? I I read a line. And the lines, like I love reading and everyone, you, you know that, like anything to do with business, you should read and to be smart, you gotta read. And one of the lines I read was champions don't complain, they just get better. So a lot of people during that time wanted to fight the government. Oh, well, let us open this and that. Or, you know, like there was both sides. There was people saying, hey, shut down. And then there was people saying, open up. And like, they just wanted to fight the government. The thing is, is like, they, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to find ways to become better. And the ways I did it was I spent time researching, 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 and there was all these, because of COVID, you know this, there was a whole bunch of grants and loans and all these things and special programs. And you know what I did is I looked for all of them and I applied and I spent the time doing all the paperwork and we applied for all this stuff to get the help. You know, we got some of it. So I remember when the pandemic was was happening and and i i saw the corner gym had yes. was vacated i just assumed you guys were gone and and i didn't have any connection to it because i you know my kid wasn't old enough to be doing it i don't i don't yeah. do martial arts so i was like oh crap another small business went down and then uh, my partner and i are both vegan so we go to vegan supply yeah, yeah. all the time and i was like holy crap like they moved to this insane yeah. this insane location but since things have like really opened up it's like everyone I know is suddenly connected to this gym. Like multiple people in from in our company train at your gym, and you don't, you don't even know about it. Uh, they go and take kick, kickboxing classes yeah. and these things. And the more I looked into your gym, and the more that I heard about the story, like how you grew up in East Van, how um, you came from like a single family home, and, and um, 
uh, you when you how you found martial arts you grew up kind of fighting and then martial arts kind of gave you that thing to focus on it made me so interested in you as a person but also you as a business leader and again there's so much to, to, to talk about here but I really want to focus on like okay champions don't don't complain you got through it you made it happen but how did you build this level of community within this space? Because like the, the level of community there is palpable. Like you go in and you feel like people are like literally saying, hey, come join us. The thing is, like, I have to say that I got that from my mom. Like my mom was always welcoming. And like my mom's always funny. She's like, hey, you want to eat? You know, you want to eat? Like hey, anytime like my friends came over, we we're just like, always like that. My mom, I have to say I got that from my mom. Like really, I got that from my mom. Um, I was always taught, you know, to always just be nice, be a good person. And you want, like, something else I read too. Like, when you die, at the, when you die, no one's going to ever remember the things that you own. No one's going to remember the car that you had, the, the house you had, the jewelry, the shoes, none of that. What they'll remember is what you did for them. And that's, that's something I always think about. So you, I always try to instill that. And then what I do is I instill that with all the staff. And then it's just, it's, it's like, it, it, it just spreads. You know what I mean? The, the hard part is, is that a virus spreads faster than, than, than good, yeah. which is really bad. But that's why we try to curb it right away and stop it. But when it comes to the good, like that's just, it's, it's, it just spreads. If you know, and then obviously you have to pick the right people and then really at when you're all nice and being all this, it, things go by a lot faster and it's a lot more fun, you know? The thing is, though, like, okay, so you, it was instilled in you through your mom. And it's same with, like, hard work. Yes. And, you know, like, basically gonna, whatever you're going to gain in life, you got to work for. Yes. You start this gym out of your garage. But how many employees are at DCS right now? Including the yoga studio, I think we're at between 50 and 70 now. So, dude, you started this thing where it was like, oh, yeah, it's just me and my friends training on the yeah. gym. And now you have like 50 and 70 people. There's got to be, there's a bigger gap that we're not hitting on is how did you learn to like literally run a business and be a boss of like a really large organization? Because that's, that's not a small organization anymore. That's like getting, getting pretty big. It's just like fighting. I always relate everything to fighting. You know, how do you go from becoming an amateur fighter to a professional fighter? You work hard, you learn. You have to learn all these new techniques and then, okay, and then practice it. And so, for example, like the business part, like it's actually funny. When we went from, we went from the two little spots to the big one, I read a book and this book helped me so much. Uh, the E-Myth, mm -hmm. The Entrepreneurial Myth, that helped me so much. Like, and then that taught me stuff. Like, hey, you know what? This is like, it's not, sometimes when people look at things, they think it's chaos. Like, say, for example, even fighting. Everyone thinks that fighting is very complicated and this and that. It can be. But if you simplify it down, okay, it's not, it could be, you know, you can make it simple. Same with business. Like, it is big. If the bigger you get, you know, the bigger you get, it seems like it's going to be harder. But if you have, like, say, for example, what they say, you have systems in place, standing operating procedures, you know, you, you, you delegate roles. You know, and the number one thing we talked about too, which is very hard, is don't take things personal. You know, uh, one of the other things like you talk about, um, you talked about the, uh, the welcoming vibe, this and that. One other thing I forgot to touch on, you know what's very important, I try to really instill in all of the staff, is always put yourself in other people's shoes. Like always, 
Like even the littlest things, even though you might be okay with this, do you think other people are going to be okay with that? You know what I mean? So we really try to, like I really try to instill putting yourself in other people's shoes. For me, I can tell you that I've lived all around the world. Like I've lived everywhere. And I've through spent, fighting. Through fighting, yeah. Like I lived in Thailand. I lived in the Philippines. I lived, obviously I live in the States too. And I've visited different places as well. And doing all this stuff has made me see that there are so many different mentalities and views on life that you have to be able to put things in, in perspective of other people in terms of how they grew up and what they believe in. And so that's very important because like what you believe might not be the same thing that someone else believes. Something that you like, they might not like. Something that bothers you might not bother them. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think one of the, one of the worst things has happened, and it is a bit, People blame the internet, but I'd say I, I think like people in the media, they blame the internet, but I also just think like the tension within society, mm -hmm. uh, being this like really polarized, like one side or the other, if, if you're like this, then you're bad, or if you're like this and you're good. I also like, I kind of look at myself when I was younger a little bit, like uh, when I got into being a therapist or the kind of music I played and the values that are associated with it, I kind of look at myself and being like, damn, like. The idea of having certain opinions as like, oh, if I believe these things, that makes me a good person. And if you believe those things, that makes you a bad person. Like, I don't want to blame the internet or media or any of that, because I think that's kind of like a like a cheap way of, of talking about where we're at. I think now more than ever, it's super important to really have empathy and be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, not just as a business person, but as like a person living in the world. Because like casting people out and like hating on people or creating these big divisions it's like it's such a momentary like i've won this thing or i've made this point but at the end of the day it's like oh yeah well i gotta live on this planet for another like 50 60 70 years like if i live like that i'm gonna live in an increasingly chaotic environment rather than being like i want to understand this person i want to understand this situation it's it's trite to say but i think it's like really having empathy and putting yourself in the shoes of other people has probably never been more important from a societal point of view than it is now. Well, especially now too with how fast things go with so like even you talk about the internet but it's not even just like it's the social media thing and now especially now we, like they always talk about in society they you know they do like um uh, what's the word i'm trying to say like they, they want to fix things they over corrections of everything so now with the whole cancel culture too and stuff you know what i mean you have to be very careful and it's it like it's hard it is hard i have a, a really really good friend of mine who's uh, a business owner yeah uh, lives in uh, lives in the states and we we're gonna have him on the podcast and he was like i can't be on the podcast right now and i asked him why and he was like i caught some people in the company stealing yeah and i fired them mm -hmm. and and then they went on social media and like you know said said like all of this stuff about the business and he's like i literally have them on video stealing yeah and i didn't call the cops on them i didn't do this stuff i just i just fired them and he's like i actually gave him severance when i fired him oh, I, I've been dealing, and it, i'm and dealing with something so similar too yeah and he was like you know it's like it's this weird paralysis because like how am i going to get on and talk about like running a business and being ethical and then have this stuff in the background and i really it's such a wild time to be a person, but it's a really wild time to be a business it's, owner. Well, the other thing is too, like even because I, I deal with a lot of stuff, uh, and the thing is, is that at the end of the day, like say for example, yourself, you're a business owner. People like we don't, we actually lose. Like say if your example, it goes to like a court or something, they'll usually side with the employee, and that's not how is that fair? 
Because they, the way they look at it is they think that the employer is the bigger dog, like the bigger fish, and they got more money. But you know, we're just like everyone else, and it's not fair. Well, and also we assumed the risk and took the leap and did these things. Yes, it, it's it's tough because like there's a lot of cases that could be made either way. But I'd say right now, being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, very hard, really hard. But also being like a visible community member, like you are. Yes, it it. Allows you to do lots of good things, but it opens you up to a lot yes. of challenging things you got to manage. Well, the thing is, is that I know, like, it's so funny. When I first opened the gym, I knew that I had to be, I was becoming a role model. So, like, obviously, I'm, I'm human before. Well, well, I'm human still now. But, like, I'm human. Like, you know, I used to go out drinking, you know, and make a fool of myself a little bit. But I knew that I couldn't do that no more. So, I actually quit. I haven't drank in nine years now. Good for you. You know, so, and that was mostly because of of you know i know i have an image to protect and i have I, like it's not even just an image but it, this is who i am and I'd, i i don't want to give anyone any reason to not believe that this is who i am like even going out i don't go out i don't go to nightclubs i don't do any of that stuff anymore and well because i work so much anyway but i don't really have the desire to do that anymore too but it is like you said because you get put on this pedestal one thing else i realized is that you know, a lot of people like, like, I love you guys, like you guys, you know, this is what really good people do is that, you know, they, they're happy for other people to get up there. But then there's some people that they don't want that. Like one thing I noticed is that at the beginning of the gym, like I don't want to talk about too much because this is negative and I don't like talking about negative. But like when I was going, everyone wanted you, wanted me to be successful. But then all of a sudden I realized like when I started getting super successful, they're like, whoa, man, hold on. We got to pull you back here for a sec. You know what I mean? Totally. You kind of hit escape velocity with, you, you got, the way that I, I look at it, in, with my career, I um, everything was unintentional. I didn't mean to end up here. Yeah. And uh, and I, I think that's part of why it ended up working out. Like I was just some, I was a therapist playing in punk bands. I kind of took this other job in executive coaching. It became this thing. And I remember when I, when I started to feel like, oh, like people were kind of like, criticizing like oh you I, i'll never forget i i it's the first time i ever bought something really nice for myself i yeah. bought a really nice watch and the reason i bought a really nice watch is because i was in like a lot of meetings with ceos yeah. and it's like it, it it sounds stupid but it's actually like a thing no it is a thing yeah. I, I had this i had this uh, buddy of mine at the time criticized my criticized me buying this watch and like really like kind of out of the blue and i was like basically it was like well it's a poser move to go and buy like a nice watch if you haven't like worked your way up in the watch world and i was like I'll never forget that moment because it was the moment where I was like, I think I've kind of entered a different a different lane, and and I think that the people around me, some some of the people around me are gonna be psyched, even if they don't understand it, they're gonna be psyched. The people who do understand it are gonna be psyched. The people who don't understand it but like are just like good friends are gonna do it, and the people who maybe just don't want other people to have success or happiness are gonna be are gonna be like that. And one of the things I, I really had to learn, and I've learned it in the past five years, is like letting go of relationships without there being conflict or beef. Like it doesn't have, you don't have to have a fight to stop being friends. You can just kind of like let things yeah. go. And it's been really difficult. Well, it's hard because you, like I'm dealing with it now too, but like you have to be around people that you, that make you better first off. And that's even one of the, that's one of the models of the gym is we want to, like that place is somewhere where we all can push be better individuals 
Now, the other thing is, is that you don't want that negativity around. And it just sucks because sometimes like these, sometimes you have it with people that are your friends for like 10, 20 years, right? But you got to let it go. And, and, and the other thing is too, when you start becoming successful, you do, you know, you become successful when you have the haters and you have the people that are like that. That's just part, it's part of it. Is you know me, so I always, weird it's, it's, it's normal though, because you think about it, like, even like this, I always relate everything to fighting when you're the champion. There's people that love you being, but there's always just as many that want you to lose. You know what I mean? There's always going to be it. That not every single person is going to want you to be the champ. You know, they're going to always find ways to bring it down. Like, hey, no, he's not as good as he is. Like, da -da 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 -da. no, I want that guy to win. You know, and everyone else has another favorite. So it's it's part of the game. And one thing I've learned is like, you know, you just have to accept it because it's part a part of it. It is part of the game, and I love that you say that. It, it's a little bit like. Um... When I was younger, I used to be like, oh, I don't I don't compete with people. I only compete with myself. And I had this kind of like not anti-competition mindset, but like I wasn't like into the idea of competing. Yeah. And, you know, with the past few years, I'm like, oh, everything is competition. And competition doesn't have to be toxic. It could just be like, oh, I actually like competing. It, it brings out the best. And this business is a competition, oh. like all of that stuff. Well, like what I love when we talk about the idea of bringing it back to fighting, it's like, yeah, but you don't if you don't think of fighting as a negative thing, like fighting but like oh it's like kind of the it brings out the best in you it helps you like bring your training your working all these things to create the greatest thing in my space it's about creating a business that really helps people and creating a business where anyone who works in the business can have a great quality of life i want to train like that i want to work like that i want to fight like that and now i'm actually like really into the idea of competition but I agree with you whole, wholeheartedly. It's like when you're doing this, you're going to have as many people who are rooting for you as many people who are hating on you. Yeah. But not that what you went back to is not taking it personal. Like if I go back to that, it's like one of my biggest struggles, but something I think I'm starting to get my head around a little. I'm the same. Like I take things too personal too. Like, like I said, like I have people that want, I can see that they don't want me as successful. And then I think about like, what did I ever do to them? Yeah. You know, but you can't take it personal. You know what I mean? The focus, like I know it's a, it's an all ages gym and it's a very inclusive space. There's a real focus on programming for youth, which I think is like, I mean, as a parent, I think is unbelievable. So how did you land with that and then develop that? Well, the first thing is like the, a lot of people don't know this, but the main reason I opened the gym was because I know if I didn't have martial arts when I was a kid, I don't know where I'd be. So the thing is kids don't, or young children don't have to follow the path that I did exactly. They don't have to take martial arts, then compete, then fight. But what it is, is they'll have these values that are instilled. They learn that hard work does pay off. They learn that di they learn the discipline. You know, uh, they learn organizational skills somewhat. You know what I mean? And so the thing is, in terms of having a kids, I knew I always had to have a kids program because obviously that's what I learned. That's how I started. Now, it, uh, sorry, this is totally off topic, but it's, it's even right now, for example, Manny Sobral, our boxing coach, Olympian, world champion, he always wanted to do this. Like, uh, sorry, he always wanted to have like a youth foundation. He always wanted to help problem children and troubled youth. And the thing was, we tried to do it for years and we were trying to build a foundation, get donations to pay for these kids. And then, and then this year, like actually just started last week, we're just like, forget it. What we're going to do is we're just going to do it. We're going to not think about the money, like don't worry about the money. Manny's willing to donate his time. I don't mind donating the, the space in my time too as well. And we're just going to do it. And then like we can even call it like a karma class. We want to get good karma and we want to do this kind of stuff. 
So now back to the programming. You just like we our first kids class. I'll never forget. We had like six kids, you know. Then it built to like ten, twenty, and then all of a sudden fifty. Now eighty to a hundred. Now the thing is with the kids is when when it comes to the programming. I found out first off that there's kids that like striking and then there's kids that like grappling. And you never know. And sometimes it gets funny because you'll bring two siblings, two, brother, two brothers or a brother-sister, and one will, it's always, I'd say majority, not all, but one will gravitate to one and one will gravitate to the other. It's kind of funny. But when it comes to that, then I start, like if, if right now we run about six to eight kids' classes at one time. Yeah. And if I had it the way I like, we would love to have it would be that there would be three age, age categories and three levels between each one. So say example, there's four to six year olds, beginner, intermediate, advanced. The thing was the four to six is a little harder because I don't think there'll be any advanced kids at six years. Like it's just the mental capacity. So it's okay. Four to six is just one group. But then the seven to 10, that's when you start doing the beginner, intermediate, advanced. And then 10 to 14 would be beginner, intermediate, advanced whether it be in jujitsu, boxing, or kickboxing. Yes. So like, even the way that you're breaking this stuff down, it's like really practical business-minded, but it's also like really focused on how do I give people the best experience? Yes. And man, like when we go to the gym, because again, it's not like my partner and I like literally used to the gym, we just go there with our kid. Yeah. And just that like, this is a really inclusive space. And inclusivity is something that's thrown around in the business world, like, yes. like everywhere. Yes. But your space actually is, from at least from our perspective, but also the perspectives of the people that work in our company who also go to your gym, is really inclusive. So how do you, how did you establish that, but then also maintain that? Well, the number one thing is is everyone's equal. No one's better than anyone. And then, you, like I said, you have to put yourself in other people's shoes. Like one of the biggest things that we get a lot of compliments on is we have gender inclusive bathrooms. You know, it was very important to me. Like even. When we opened our yoga studio, there was only supposed to be two bathrooms. Man, I'm like, no, I don't care. You guys, we have to find, it costs us extra money, but no. We have to have a gender inclusive. We have to make these people feel comfortable and let people know that we're thinking about them. That's the most important thing that actually you got to do. Like I said, put, put yourself in other people's shoes, but think about them and show them that, hey, you know what? I think about you and, and that I want, you know, I want to find a way to make you, whoever it is, happy. You know what I mean? Whatever, like whoever you are. All right, man, we're coming to the end of the interview. I'm gonna ask you one question, mm -hmm. and then after that, there's gonna be three questions. They're gonna get increasingly more challenging yeah, the last yeah, three. No but the first one is, in becoming like a leader, because that's what you are, a leader, a boss, a business owner, what's one thing that you've learned about yourself that you were really pleasantly surprised by, and one thing that you've learned about yourself that you were disappointed to learn, but you've been working on? Well, like we talked about, the disappointing one is like I take things too personal. Like I re like to be a business owner, you can't. Like the bigger you get, you just have to let things go. The one thing that I leader like that's a good question. I never really, I don't really ever sit down and think what I'm good at. Like I just like I want to be a better leader. Like I try to read things. I read a lot, and I talk to other people that are leaders, and I I I talk to them how they you know what 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 makes them better and it's easy to focus on what you're what you're disappointed you're bad at, but i don't know like i don't know like what i what i can say is i okay this one i know and this one i do say a lot i know no one can outwork me yeah that's the one thing i know like i like it was funny because just even last week i have a new employee and he he was a member at the gym actually 
And he went up to me three days after, or maybe a week after his, uh, he started working, he says to me, I never knew you worked so much. <laughs> I'm like, he goes, because he, he would come, like, he would see me at the gym 16 hour days. I've never been there and not seen you. Yeah, like I'm, well, unless I'm out of town, then I'm, you know, I'm not there. But I'm, I work right now, especially now, I work seven days a week. Yeah. Like, and then what people, like a lot of people don't know is when I'm out of town, I, because I own another gym in America, the, the MMA lab. That one I have partners in. And that one's a little easier because, like, obviously it's running and then they don't really need me as much. And then I check on them. And then, but then when I'm gone, I'm, if I'm gone, the, like 90% of the time I'm gone or 95% is because I have to go to the lab or I have to do with our fighters at the lab at the UFC. Yeah. Um, all right. You ready for your three questions? Yes. All right. So you're, the thing that you know, the thing that you're disappointed to know about, but you're working on is you don't want to take, you're trying to take things less personally. But yeah. the thing that you were pleasantly surprised by is like, no, how hard you know you're able to work. Okay. Here's the three questions. They're going to get increasingly hard. Yeah. Um, the first one that I want to ask you is uh, you are a business owner in the downtown east side and you're in the like real deal yes. downtown east side. So how do you, um, what are what are the things that you put in place to respect the true community there and the community be everyone who lives in the community, people who own, you know, really nice houses in Strathcona, but also people who are living in tents on the street. We're all a, a part of this community. Nobody's discounted. No, so as a business owner, how do you keep that as a part of how you run your business? What do you mean by that? Like, how do you keep it inclusive? Uh, not necessarily keep it inclusive, but as an example, let's say someone who owns a business might be like, oh, I just want all these homeless people to get out of here because it screws up my street traffic. Well, the thing with them is that anytime it comes to the homeless people and even the encampment and all that stuff and all the people, I do a ton, like the Global News came even this week and the CTV, they always come and talk to me about this. It's not about us versus them. It's about getting them the help. It's like us helping each other. Because we're all actually a part of the community. Yes. And if you view people as something that, that need to be like, if you're a business owner and you view the people who literally live in the community as a, as a nuisance, then you're not actually a part of this well, community. Exactly. That's why I always tell everyone, like, it's not us versus them. Yeah. It's not, it's like, it's all of us. We all need to work together. And then we need help from the government. Like, we're all, we're all like kids and the dad and parents or the mom and dad or the government. Hey, we need your help. You know what I mean? Because your business has got, you've got two storefront businesses that are, are really in the thick of it. Yeah. And um, I think your perspective on how to respect all, equally respect all people that live in the, in the neighborhood is like an important one to, to touch Oh, on. you respect all of them. But, but at the same time, you have, like, you have to be careful because obviously we don't want innocent people in danger. And then number one. And number two, it's like, well, there's laws. There's things you can't do. Like you can't be like, doing graffiti. You can't be threatening people. You know, you can't steal. You know what I mean? And you can't do any vandalism. Like, for us, like, we we don't really talk about it too much. But, like, even the other day, like, maybe last two, three months ago, somebody set, a, like, our gym almost went on fire. Somebody was, like, they were trying to, um, I guess, they were cold. They wanted to set a bonfire. They put it right behind on our garage door. And they put the garage door on fire. Yeah. Like, luckily, it was metal. And it didn't catch fire. But, like. You know what I mean? Yeah. They did a mattress fire. That's what they did, actually. Sorry, they lit a mattress on fire. It, it's a it's a difficult situation, uh, but if we're going to choose to own businesses in this area, then it's like, how do we find a way to be respectful of everyone while maintaining healthy boundaries that allow us to to lead healthy well, businesses? Like I said, we everyone has to follow the rules, I guess. You know, it, it, 
some people don't like to hear that, but if everyone followed the rules, businesses and even the people, then we can all help each other. And then obviously, like even the government has to follow the rules. Like, hey, you know what? <laughs> Good luck on that. I know, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and obviously we all try our, and you know what? That's a good question too. It's like, we have to help each other. Like another thing is not even how the BIA is helping us right now. Like the BIA is helping. And then now we're slowly seeing it. Like, actually I did the interview last week. You can see the street cleaners are always on the street now. There's police presence. They're walking around now. Just, you know, like just making sure everyone's safe. Yeah. Because you know, we know how much stuff, bad things happen around here. I know that honor and integrity is a huge part of, of the martial arts culture. And I also know it's a big part of, of you carrying that. Mm -hmm. um, where did that come from you? Did it come from how you were raised by your mom? Did it come from martial arts? Did it come from something inside of you? How did, how did you learn those values? Well, number one, my mom taught me, like, obviously my mom taught me like a lot. She taught me about being a good person. Like she taught me hard work. Like my mom, like I can't. I think my mom. Like I think I can work hard, but I think my mom works can can outwork me. I think maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay, maybe actually that's maybe. But uh, when it comes to the honor and all that stuff, it was actually through martial arts. Like I actually became when I was when I was young, I was really uh, infatuated with the samurai culture, and in the samurai culture, it's all about your honor. Like, you, I don't know if you know about samurai culture, but like even if they lost their honor, they would commit what's called seppuku, which is suicide. You know, I don't believe in that, but like, I'm just saying that's how much they believed in honor. And then I, you know what? Because at the end of the day, who are you? You are no one without your honor. The only thing that the most valuable, like I actually have a tattoo on my back. I have a samurai protecting pagoda and there's two symbols in the pagoda honor and family because those are the two most important things in your life that you should like you if you don't have if you have no honor and you don't protect your family then like what kind of person are you you know what i mean oh, yeah all right last question so this one is actually not hard but because uh, i know we got to run i'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, no make problem. it easy um so thriving business you've expanded now you've got a, a yoga studio where can people look you up find out about bcs find out about you personally like this is a place where I love you to just like hype yourself up, hype up the gym. Well, the crazy thing is, obviously, just Google us. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, our Instagram at DS Combat Sports, our Facebook page, uh, we have a Twitter page, our website dscombatsports.com, just DS Combat Sports. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah! Listen, man, this has been an absolute pleasure. I know we had a little bit of a compressed I'm time sorry, frame, yeah. but no, no way. This is a great conversation. Anything you want to share as we're closing off? Um, like this is to all entrepreneurs and stuff, right? Like, I would like to let them know, like, because even me, I, things go up and down. You just got to go work through the everything. You know what I mean? And then they talk about this a lot. Like, you know me, I always like to read a lot. And it's not about even just about the motivation. What really is, it's about the consistency. And it's about being able to go in every day and do the same thing over and over again. And, like, that's fighting. And that's the hardest thing is, like, a lot of people don't want to do the same thing over. But... Like, say, for example, a fighter, what are you going to do? Like, you're, how do you win a fight? A basic punch, a basic kick. You got to be able to do it over and over every day. You name any sport. Like me, I'm a big Steph Curry fan. Steph Curry doesn't change the way he shoots the ball. He shoots the ball the same way every day, and he has to do it consistently every day. So consistency is the key. Well, it is. And just being able to do, yeah, it's consistency. They talk like that one Aristotle quote. Uh, oh, something habit. Oh.
<laughs> Dude, you shot for the sky. You're going to do an Aristotle. Uh, Let me find it for you. I have to find it. Hold on. Sorry, I don't mean to grab my phone, but I have to find it. It's, it's something. Oh, no. My, um, my best friend, John Crouch, this is his favorite line, and I always mess it up. Always. It's something about habit and uh, consistency. Like, oh, you're going to laugh. I'll just tell you, this will be the first Aristotle quote on the podcast. Oh, so we got we to drop to it hard, it, man. No. Hit it hard. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. Hell yeah. All right. What a better way to end the interview. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I don't remember that. <laughs> Ryan's like, yes. Thanks for coming out, man. Thank you. Really I'm embarrassed it. I didn't remember no, that. It was me trying to quote something. Oh, <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> perfect ending. All right. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, yeah. Everyone will see you in the outro. And uh, Mike. Drop the beat. Ryan, thanks so much for being on the show. And thank you so much for what you do for the community. I know that uh, our family's life has been so positively impacted by having uh, DCS here and your involvement in, uh, in all the programming there. So thank you. You know, everyone, it's such an interesting thing because like combat sports, for anyone who sees me on video or who's come across uh, me is, I'm not a big guy and I'm not a tough guy. So I'm not like a, a guy that's like really a follower of things like combat sports. I'm not even really that much into sports. But the idea of getting um, our daughter into something like this as a way of like a great activity, to be a part of the community, meet other kids, get exercise, but also that confidence that's involved in, in really uh, mastering a sport, so huge. But then where do you go? Like what gym do you go to? How do you know it's gonna be a good fit for your kid? Right when we walked in the door at DCS, it was such a great experience and it still proved to be that week after week. You know, we, we go to jujitsu really frequently uh, with our daughter and she just loves it and she's a part of something there. And for me, it's like, what's cooler than that? Than someone who just creates something that really attends to the needs of all ages, that provides an outlet, provides exercise, provides a sense of community, and does it in a part of, of town that really needs stuff like that. So Ryan and the whole crew over at DCS, thank you so much. And for anyone who's listening to this and kind of thinking like, wow, you know, like, I wanna do something like that, then do it. You can do it. Again, all it takes is some vision, some grit, and the willingness to take the leap. So with that, we're going to end off. My name is Aram Arslanian, and this is One Step Beyond. Yeah!